This is day 111 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Psalm chapter 73 through 77. Surely God is good to us, and you look for those who have a pure heart. You look for those who are willing to humble themselves in your presence. Surely you are for your people, Lord. You provide for them. You protect them. You bring them to good places. You intend to do good to us, Lord. You are for us. You are not against us. And yet so often we resist you and we fight you on what you expect from us. We expect everything from you and we don't expect enough from ourselves. Lord, please challenge us in this ideology that we can be more conformed to the image of your Son and not put ourselves to shame. Please bless the reading of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, the garment of violence covers them. Their eyes bulge from fatness, the imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore his people return to this place, and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, How does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease they have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long, and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment! They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered, and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel you will guide me, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion 
forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. O God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your inheritance, and this Mount Zion, where you have dwelt. Turn your footsteps toward the perpetual ruins. The enemy has damaged everything within the sanctuary. Your adversaries have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They have set up their own standards for signs. It seems as if one had lifted up his axe in a forest of trees. And now, all its carved work, they smash with hatchets and hammers. They have burned your sanctuary to the ground. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in their heart, let us completely subdue them. They have burned all the meeting places of God in the land. We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long. How long, O God, will the adversary revile and the enemy spurn your name forever? Why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand? From within your bosom, destroy them. Yet God is my king from of old, who works deeds of deliverance in the midst of the earth, who divided the sea by his strength. You broke the heads of the sea monsters in the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You broke open springs and torrents. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day, yours also is the night. You have prepared the light and the sun. You have established all the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Remember this, O Lord, that the enemy has reviled, and a foolish people has spurned your name. Do not deliver the soul of your turtle dove, to the wild beast? Do not forget the life of your afflicted forever. Consider the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. Let not the oppressed return dishonored. Let the afflicted and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you all day long. Do not forget the voice of your adversaries, the uproar of those who rise against you, which ascends continually. We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works. When I select an appointed time, it is I who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melts. 
It is I who have firmly set its pillars. Selah. I said to the boastful, Do not boast. And to the wicked, Do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed, and he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drain and drink down its dregs. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. And all the horns of the wicked he will cut off. But the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. God is known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. His tabernacle is in Salem. His dwelling place also is in Zion. There he broke the flaming arrows, the shield and the sword and the weapons of war. Selah. You are resplendent, more majestic than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted were plundered. They sank into sleep and none of the warriors could use his hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse were cast into a dead sleep. You, even you, are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence when once you are angry? You caused judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Selah. For the wrath of man shall praise you. With a remnant of wrath you will gird yourself. Make vows to the Lord your God and fulfill them. Let all who are around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared. He will cut off the spirit of princes. He is feared by the kings of the earth. My voice rises to God, and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. Selah. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago, and I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart, and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? Has his hand ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Selah. 
Then I said, It is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, and your paths in the mighty waters, and your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Okay, so as we talked about last time, that the readings for today are from Asaph, the singer of the time of David. So these psalms are all his, and there are more past this that we will read that are his as well. But he obviously has a different writing style than David, as we can see. But what I notice about him is that he's more of a meditative contemplative kind of guy. In the way that he writes, he's considering and he's musing and he's analyzing things about who God is. He's exploring God's nature and why things are the way they are. And I feel some sort of kinship with that because I guess that's how I am as well. I like to know things. I like to understand things at a, a certain level. I'd like to know why things are the way they are. And so I can understand and resonate with why he asks questions and makes statements like he does. So in Psalm 73, he is looking for the answer as to why the wicked prosper. And he just doesn't understand it. Why they do all these things against the Lord. You know, they... Their pride is their necklace. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. They say, how does God know? And Is there knowledge of the Most High? They mock who God is. These are the wicked people. And then he goes into what he's supposed to do and what he is doing. I have stricken all day long and chastened every morning. They don't get chastening. You know that, right? Only... Children get chastened. They get disciplined. God does not discipline the unsaved. He punishes them. But when we are saved by grace, we become his children, and he disciplines us for our good, to teach us something, to make us better, to sanctify us. Verse 16, When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight, until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. 
he came to the realization that God is the final word, and he is God of justice. He gives us assurance that the wicked will be destroyed. Now again, these are other human beings, right? Other human beings that need Jesus Christ. We have to be careful not to hope for their destruction. Because these people deserve salvation just like we do. We were redeemed by Christ. And everyone in this world is capable of being redeemed. And our hope is that they will be redeemed. We should not condone the behavior of the wickedness, but we don't want to call these wicked people irredeemable, or that they're so bad that they don't deserve to be saved. Because we've mentioned this before, but we were no different from them. We were completely lost and dead in our sin. That's why it says we are dead in our trespasses. We are walking corpses without God. And dead people cannot save themselves. A dead body cannot bring itself to life. So Asaf reminds us at the end of 73 that the wicked will perish, and God will have his justice when he returns and he judges the world. But that shouldn't be our concern anymore. He ends in verse 28 with, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. And again, that's the sharing of the gospel, sharing who God is with people who need to hear it. He understands that. Why do I worry about the wicked prospering? They will not always prosper. There will be a time where they have to face judgment, and then all that prosperity that they enjoyed will be ending forever. So we don't worry about that. And Oh God, you're not being fair. You saved me, I'm your child, and yet you don't treat me like them. You keep making my life harder. Or so it seems. But we should not be treating God that way. Because that is so immature. We don't see what he's doing. And we don't want to compare ourselves to a wicked person. He did an act of creation to save you from yourself. That's the greatest gift he could ever give you. And he paid the greatest price to get it. And that's through his son. So don't you dare say that God doesn't do enough for you. Be satisfied and content with what he gives you. And the more you spend time with him, the more you will understand that. But if you ever get to that mindset where you feel entitled and God's not fair, you need to repent and return to his word and study who he is. You will not reach that conclusion again. Psalm chapter 74 is an interesting one because this is almost like a backdrop of when Judah was taken into captivity by Babylon. That's what at least what my commentary says. And so it looks like a national cry for help and deliverance. And yet, at the same time, 
we understand that that happened hundreds of years after Asaf was alive. Either Asaf wrote this and it is prophetic because God, of course, caused it to be so, or this was one of Asaf's descendants who was part of the choir and singing group that used his name. He talks about how Jerusalem is being destroyed. And it's very vivid language. And you see some of this actually happen when Babylon ransacks Jerusalem and burns it to the ground. So we see things like the sanctuary being burned to the ground, which is the temple. And we know that actually happened. We see all these other things happen. And he is bemoaning the fact that there is no more prophet, like we see in verse 9, that there's no more prophet from the Lord because everything that God has already declared is now coming to pass. And there's no more need for a prophet. Much like today, that's why there's no more prophets in the sense that we see in the Old Testament because Jesus Christ was the final prophet and he was the fulfillment of everything God had planned to do in advance. So then we see Asaf point out the sovereignty of God. We we he points out his power, his ability to subdue anything on the face of the planet, how he establishes all the seasons and the boundaries of the earth, that he is in complete control of the situation. And he petitions to God to remember his covenant with Israel and not utterly destroy them. Even though they deserve to be destroyed, He's asking the Lord to be merciful and gracious to the nation. Then we come to chapter 75, which is a psalm of thanksgiving. And Asaph is praising God, who is the judge of all the earth. He warns the wicked of their judgment, and he vows that he will continue to praise God. Like he says in verse 9, but as for me, I'm not going to worry about what these other guys are doing. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. And all the horns of the wicked he will cut off. And again, when it uses horns in the Bible, it's talking about, you know, an icon of strength or pride. So usually we say, the horn of my salvation, you know, it's talking about the strength of something or someone. The horn is symbolism for power. Psalm 76 is a psalm of thanksgiving. Asaph uses this psalm to praise God and announce his victory over all things. And then we see that if we are faithful to the Lord, we should be very careful. And this is not the first time it is said in the Bible, and it won't be the last either. But if you make a vow to the Lord, if you make a promise to the Lord that you would do something, you need to fulfill it. Pay what you vow. And I think it was Jesus that said that it's better that you don't make any vows at all because if you do, for one, you are making a vow to a higher power that you have no control over. But also, you risk not honoring your vow and then you're in trouble because God takes vows very seriously. So if you're going to make a vow, you better fulfill it. And if you don't think you can, don't make a vow. Don't swear by anything. And then we see chapter 77. 
which is a more lamenting psalm than the other ones are. But we see the psalmist calling for help. We know that this world is troublesome. We lose sleep over the issues of the world sometimes, and sometimes God causes us to lose sleep so that we can meditate on these things and petition and pray to Him for deliverance on these things. And when we are losing that sleep or we are troubled, we should be like a soft in verse 11. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. And you. so we tend to think sometimes when wicked people are successful, when things are hard, sometimes we want to go into territory where is God really there? Does God really care? Like he, you see this language in the Psalms as well. Will you reject us forever? Will you never be favorable again? Has your loving kindness ceased forever? We start getting those doubts, right? God, are you going to be there when I'm in trouble? Are you going to keep your promises? But that's why he calls us to remember what the Lord has already done. Because if we ever get to the point where we doubt God can do or will do what he promised he would do, that's not good. We should not ever get to that point where we doubt who God is or get angry with him. It's never okay to doubt or get angry with God. He's very predictable to that end. And so, He's calling us to remember what God has already done. Use that as his credentials. Use that as his track record. If you don't believe that he is who he is and that he's capable of delivering you out of whatever troubles you're in, look at his track record. Has he ever failed? Think of all the things in your own life that he has done for you to make you who you are today. God was involved in that the whole time. You are who you are because God has made you this way. He has brought you into this world. He gave you the characteristics that make you unique among humans. And he gave you the life that molded you into who you are today. All of it was God's will. Remember the things that God has done. And you will not be disappointed. You will look back to your life and see all the things that God has done. And for me, in the moment, I did not understand why those things happened. But in retrospect, in hindsight, I now understand what God was trying to do and why I was kicking and screaming throughout the whole process. But at the end of it, God demonstrated his good. And that will be the result because that's who he is. That is his very nature to do good. And he does not do anything evil. So when we come to those dark points in our lives or those troubled points in our lives, comfort ourselves in the Lord. Don't comfort ourselves with other things. 
that will cause us to draw away from him. But remember what the Lord has done already and trust him in the process. He is sovereign over his entire universe and he actively cares for it and cultivates it and causes things to happen. And if he can do that where he, at a mere thought, conquers galaxies, why can't he take care of you? When you are a speck upon a speck upon a speck upon a speck in his universe, you don't think he can go down to your level and take care of you? Yes, he can, and he will, if you trust him. And sometimes, even if you don't trust him, he's going to act on your behalf. And that is a good God. But that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.